0: The Bible reading this morning is Mark chapter 8 verses 22 to 26. Mark chapter 8 verse 22 to 26. Jesus heals a blind man at Bethsaida. They came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, do not even go into the village.
1: For those who haven't been journeying with us, we've been journeying through Mark uh, with Jesus and uh, this is the passage we're up to and uh, look, it's a great passage and um, I'm going to pray and we're going to open this word and see what God has to say. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you we can enter it with great confidence. Thank you we don't have to be hesitant. Thank you that you will speak to us. Uh, through the holy spirit and father god we pray now that as we do open it we will remain faithful to it and that you will challenge us and uh, help us to turn our eyes upon jesus and we pray this in jesus name amen i want you just to look at the screen uh on this next screen not this one and tell me all about the animal now this is a two-way conversation So tell me what animal you're seeing. Hello? It's okay, we can speak in church. That's all right. Just, just describe the animal you're seeing. Well, there you go. It's a bit sad. <laughs> See, this is a magic eye puzzle. Um, When I was a kid, or younger than now anyway, I think I've shown you one of these before, but uh, these were very popular. Anyone seeing it? Elephants. Elephants. Well, let me give you um, my hint. And no joke, Sue, I wrote this down. I said, I've got one hint for you. It's not elephants. (laughs) (laughs) So that was a very good answer, Sue. Um, but can you see the animal? Basically, for those who haven't seen one of these before, there's a 3D image in there somewhere. And the best thing is I'm not going to tell you what it is right now. We're going to wait. You see, seeing you can listen to me now seeing seeing is one of our five senses. We have eyes in order to see. When a person cannot see, we use the term disability because they do not have one of the crucial senses uh, which we've been created with, with our bodies. Thankfully, in today's world, we have lots of aids. We have uh, dogs that can help people who can't see uh, to guide them. We've uh, We've got things plastered over footpaths in certain cities to help blind people navigate uh, our computers will even speak words and listen to speech so that two other senses can make up for the lack of blo- uh, lack of sight uh, braille has been created so that the feeling of touch can now be used by people who can't see but if a person cannot see they can lose a great deal of independence and even in some cultural settings they can lose their dignity And in Jesus' day, there were very few aids for people who were blind. Uh, They would usually be taken by their friends or family uh, to street corners to beg in order to uh, have, because they couldn't work, to get money. Um, This morning in our passage, we have a blind man. And it's an encounter between this blind man and Jesus. And while it's a short passage, it's a significant passage in the context of where Mark has included it in his Gospel so Mark begins... I'm going to turn this off now. So <clears throat> Mark begins by orientating us to where Jesus now is geographically. Have a look at verse 22 there. They came to Bethsaida and some brought people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. Now, back in chapter 7... Sorry if that's a bit small um, and my squiggly red lines hopefully will make sense. Back in chapter 7, verse 24... Uh, I looked at last week because I had COVID. We flipped some things around. But Jesus had gone to Tyre and the region of Syria, Phoenicia. Now that's up the top there in the top left circle is Tyre. Uh, it's in the land of the pagans, the idol worshippers, the non-Jews. And we saw he opened up the blessing of God to the non-Israelites by healing the Syrophoenician daughter's uh, Syrophoenician's daughter. Uh, In chapter 7, verse 31, we're then told Jesus has gone from Tyre, which is up in the top left there, down back to the Sea of Galilee and across to the region of the Decapolis, which is uh, on the right-hand side, the west there, uh, which is uh, in purple. Now, the Decapolis was a region of ten cities which were Greek in culture but were now ruled by the Romans. They were important cities in the Roman Empire. Uh, And they were also inhabited by non-Jews. And there, Jesus healed a deaf and mute man. Then he fed 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread. And that is also where he warned the disciples to be aware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod, which Rachel looked at a couple of weeks ago because of COVID. We swapped some things around. So hopefully you can remember that. And now in verse 22, he tells us, Uh, Jesus is now in Bethsaida, which is uh, just at the top there on the Sea of Galilee. So he's headed back up into Bethsaida. Now, Bethsaida means the village of the fisher. And this is where he called uh, Philip, uh, Andrew and Peter to follow him. So you would think, okay, there are three prominent people in the Bible. Surely this was a town which has maybe experienced great conversion or great revival. Well, that's not the case because later on in his ministry, Matthew records that Jesus rebukes this city. And this will be familiar to you. Matthew 11, 20 to 22, he says this. Then Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. And one of these miracles is the miracle we're looking at today, the healing of the blind man. And, uh, and, the, and the story begins, and I'll just flip back to verse 22 there for you. The story begins with some people bringing the blind man to Jesus and begging Jesus to touch him and to heal him. Now I want you to notice what it doesn't say, which it says so often in these instances through Mark. It doesn't say family or friends brought him. Just some people. See, knowing the woe that Jesus uh, was to uh, say about Bethsaida later on, I do wonder whether these people actually cared for this blind man at all. See, I wonder whether they just wanted to see a miracle and and they went to the local street corner and grabbed this guy and led him along. He doesn't seem to know what's going on. He doesn't go there on his own volition. There's no dialogue which often happens, uh, say, with the woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years. I think, and now this isn't in the text, but going by the bigger context, I think these people may have brought this blind man to Jesus for their own gratification of seeing Jesus perform a miracle with a heart that would deserve a a woe. And notice they think that by Jesus touching the man that he would be healed. But verse 23 says this. He took the blind man by the hand, he's touched him, and led him outside the village. See what happens when Jesus touches the man? Nothing. He simply holds him compassionately because he's blind and he leads him, as you would a blind man, out away from the crowd. Why? Because he was blind. There is no healing at this point. See, Jesus has the control and the power of when he heals and how he heals. This isn't some sort of formula that I'll just touch his clothes, which is what what the woman who'd been bleeding for 12 years thought as well. And Jesus says, no, it's your faith that has healed you. Go in peace. But notice Jesus doesn't take this man away from the crowd, just away from the crowd, but outside of the village. And there's something significant happening here. In almost all the other miracles, it's performed in front of the crowds because Jesus' miracles declare his power and his authority But more importantly, they usually come with a word. And back in Matthew, we know that that was a call to repentance and faith because the kingdom of God is at hand. But I think Jesus is taking him out of the city here because he's not allowing these people to get what they want. He's not going to have this man put on show just because they've brought him in front of him. There's no teaching recorded by Mark here. It's not a public miracle. This is full of compassion. This is full of love, I think, of Jesus towards this man. So in a private place, Jesus now restores this man's dignity and helps him from, keeping to be, from becoming a public spectacle. He spits on the man's eyes, and it does mean that he spits directly onto the man's eyes. Now remember he was blind, so it's not like he was going to kind of recall like when I'm putting in a contact lens. Um, he, he, he spits on his eye, and then it says he touches him or he puts his hands on him. Now later in verse 25 it says again he touches his eyes. So we know he's actually touching his eyes. He spits on his eyes, he touches his eyes and then he asks do you see anything? And in verse 24, we're told this. He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. See, what happens when Jesus touches the man as they were all hoping to see? Nothing. But here, in the privacy of the... Own, when he touches him he starts seeing. Now, I'm myopic, which means I'm short-sighted. You now look like trees. I'm not joking. You're all beautiful trees. You're flowering beautifully, so don't worry. But I had no idea I needed glasses until I was about 21, and one of my first jobs was I did... Back then, you did the public service test, and, and I got into the Department of Health, and they sent me for a medical, and they said, you can't see, and I went, oh... I was driving around, I was doing all sorts of things and I remember going to the optometrist and picking up my glasses for the very first time. Now I'd obviously hadn't been able to see very clearly for quite a while and I still remember putting them on and seeing detail and I had to keep taking them off and putting them on again and taking them off and putting them on and going, how did I live like that? Like every time I passed a garden, I would just look at the flowers. It was quite remarkable. And the thing that really struck me were the colours. I don't think I'd recognise all all the blurriness as one thing, but when you see detail in colour. See, if I took my glasses off and I walked down the street and you're walking the other way, I would not have you. And you would have a pastor who started becoming rude and unrelational he just walked past me, he didn't even say hello, I can't go to that church anymore, all because I've got an issue with my sight. So it seems Jesus, after his first attempt of healing this man, didn't quite get it right, doesn't it? He gives him myopia maybe. We don't know exactly what he, what's going on here, but he saw people moving around, but they lacked definition and they just look like trees and then in verse 25 we're told this once more Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes then his eyes were opened his sight was restored and he saw everything clearly now this is the only miracle that happens in stages does it mean Jesus made a mistake does it mean he isn't powerful enough to quite get this guy's sight for the first time? Well I don't think that's the case because this is the Jesus who raised a little 12 year old girl from the dead by simply saying Talitha cum. who without even having to do anything really, a woman who was bleeding for 12 years was healed. The one who says, Lazarus come out Here comes Lazarus out of the tomb. So what's happening here? Well, I think the context helps us to understand why this miracle in particular, Jesus has done specifically in two stages. If you look back to chapter 8, to the beginning of chapter 8, we have another account of Jesus feeding a multitude. It's 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread. And then Jesus warns his disciples right before this passage here about the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod. And during that conversation, the disciples are still thinking he's talking about bread. And in verse 17, and sorry about the small text, but I've put it all there. In verse 17 to 21, he says this to them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many basketfuls of of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Seven, they answered. He said to them, Do you still not understand? So, the whole point of this narrative, and hopefully you've been picking it up week after week, is that they just don't get it. They're not seeing who Jesus is, and they're not hearing what he is saying. They do not understand. See, just to reinforce this, before the feeding of the 4,000, Mark recounts the healing of a deaf and mute man. And in chapter 7, verses 31 to 37, it's almost identical to the healing of the blind man. In both instances, some people, we don't know who, "...brought the man to Jesus, begging Jesus to place his hand on the man. Just as the blind man, Jesus takes the deaf man aside away from the crowd. He spits on his hands, he puts his fingers in his ears, and he touches the man's tongue. Almost identical, except this man was deaf, and now this man is blind." And in both instances, he either tells him to go home or not to tell anyone about this. You see, that's no coincidence in Mark's Gospel. In fact, those are the only miracles that aren't also somewhere either in Matthew, in Luke or in both. Because Mark is showing what Jesus is doing with these miracles. He's highlighting that blindness and deafness is not just a physical disability. It's a disability that the Pharisees had. It's a disability that the disciples have. It's a disability that Herodians have. It's the disability that people today have, that we have. It is a blindness of spiritual proportions to who Jesus is. And this staged miracle, I think, is showing that we walk around like this most of the time. Looking at Jesus as some sort of blurry tree getting little glimpses of him here and there, taking bits and pieces that we want to know about. But we're not willing to put the glasses on of the gospel and see him for who he is. That's how we see him. See, the disciples were seeing everything around them like a magic eye puzzle. You're looking at the puzzle. You're seeing purple shades, blue shapes, blind, bits of white. The blind man... Sorry, Helen, Bears. Bears, almost. Uh, <laughs> <The> bl- <laughs> the- <laughs> Put your other glasses on. The, the blind man was seeing people looking like trees. The disciples are seeing Jesus as blurry a blurry figure who they are still trying to understand. See, this is the problem. We're looking like this. Well, have you figured it out yet? I did hear it early on, and I didn't want to spoil the whole sermon. So someone said it over here. Umbrellas? Oh gorillas, no. Are you just throwing anything out there? <laughs> well, they are sharks. Well done, they are sharks. It's easy now now that you know. I better turn that off. (laughs) I'll put it on at the end of the service and you can spend time looking. See, but you get my point, don't you? that wedged right in the heart are these two uh, instances of healing of deafness and blindness. And Jesus is highlighting and Mark is drawing out of his ministry that there is a blindness that we all carry. And unless we can see or we are willing to see, when we were singing that song early. Earlier, open the, uh, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Or Actually, there have been great songs this morning, so thank you, team. All about eyes and seeing. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. So we are so busy looking at everything but actually who Jesus is showing us he is. Or we're reading all about him in other things or whatever. We're not listening to him. We're not looking at his miracles. We're not hearing what he came to proclaim. And I have to say, if you're in any doubt who Jesus is, Mark has helped us enormously in the very first verse of this whole gospel. He, spoiler alert, verse 1, because I think he understands just how hard it is for us to see. He says the beginning of the good news or the gospel about Jesus, the Messiah, that's the promised Saviour, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. It's all there. But we don't worship him as son of God. We don't worship him as the king of kings. We don't worship him as the Lord of lords so often. We're asking questions. Our eyes are focused on all the things in the church or all the things that are happening over here or all the things that are happening in the world when our eyes are not focused on Jesus. You see, we are so busy trying to control all the things that are going on around us that our eyes have been fixated by them and we get lost in them. The disciples thought he was talking about bread. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. Oh, I'm too busy looking at the world. He must be talking about bread. Where are we going to get all this food from? Uh, he, just filled, he, just, he, just, he just fed 5,000 people. What's that question about? But we do it all the time. And so I think, as a blind man is given sight, what Mark is telling us is to get your eyes off the things around you and onto Jesus. Acknowledge him and see him for who he is and all the things of this earth will grow, we just sung it, what a wonderful song, strangely dim, and you know what happens when you look at a magic eye puzzle and you finally get it, you see those sharks and it looks like they're in the distance and all that fuzz grows strangely dim and you're not looking at the fuzz, you're looking at the shark. Well, when you see Jesus and you look at Jesus, the things of the world will grow strangely dim. Well, We all know the great hymn. The whole world knows the great hymn, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. Heavenly Father, thank you for this text. Thank you for your word. Thank you that Jesus isn't a mystery. Jesus isn't a magic eye puzzle. But you have revealed yourself fully in the incarnate, the word made flesh, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Hallelujah, Lord. And help us to keep our eyes on Jesus. So the things of this world, and Lord, even the things of our church will grow strangely dim as we are too busy reveling in the glory of your grace. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.